Hello, greetings and salutations. Welcome to the show that looks back on albums, movies and video games to ask anyone for seconds. I'm your host, Dave. How's it going? You've got a telescope. Oh, an actual telescope, not your penis. I see. Anyway, this week it's movie week. And to celebrate the life of Rick Mail, we take a look at Guesthouse Paradiso. No ring. No gloves. No rules. Just big jugs. your history with this then mr dave well this will be a rewatch as i originally saw this when i was far too young to have probably watched it in the first place i loved the bottom live shows along with the tv series while the film was always a bit of an enigma to me however with it now being put onto netflix now seems like a good time as any to settle in for a rewatch with all this in mind shall we get into it the best and or worst part of the show according to some people in fictitious circles why It'd be that big old context dump. Guesthouse Paradiso is a comedy film based off of the hit BBC TV series Bottom, written by Rick Mail and Aid Edmondson. The film was set to be directed by both Mail and Edmondson, but Mail dropped out of directorial duties due to him recovering from his then recent quad bike accident in 1998 that had left him in a coma for five days and nearly killed him. It was left to Edmondson to direct the feature and it is only feature film directing credit to date. When the first draft was originally written, it was discovered that the film would have been over three hours long. Jesus! The film was then rewritten a further two times to get the running time down and keep the best jokes. The final draft, however, was revised by Edmondson while Mail was in hospital recovering. Made with an estimated budget of £3 million, it was shot on location on the Isle of Wight and partially filmed at the legendary Ealing Studios, of which classics such as Passport to Pimlico, The Lady Killers, and even TV series such as Downton Abbey were filmed. The film was released in its native UK on the 3rd of December 1999 to a poor reception. During its initial press tour, it was stated by Mail and Edmondson that the film was not a bottom spin-off, but a set of new characters, hence the different surnames. However, as the film continued to bomb, barely struggling to make back half of its budget, promotional materials tried desperately to link the poor performing film to its better received TV series to try and claw some money back. As previously noted, the film was met with a disastrous release and reception. While the film does not have a critic score on review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes, it does have an audience score of 67%. I can only find one review from the time, that being from Empire Magazine, who gave the film 2 out of 5 stars, stating, The boys, Mail and Edmondson, toil incredibly hard to make the whole thing work, and while there are some hilarious moments, it is far too patchy for a full feature film. With all of this being known, shall we ask that question? 
the question as old as time. Anyone for seconds? Let's join the rewatch now. I have a feeling I know how this is probably going to go, based off of previous viewings many, many years ago. But let's dive in somewhat to Guesthouse Paradiso. So the version that I am watching, I had fortunately I haven't actually paid for this. So do oh well my parents own it. I should say my dad owns it. Because he has it in a big box set of bottom, which has got all of the bottom live stuff and this in it. So it's got bottom live one, two, Hooligans Island, and Arsenal DT, and God, what was the name of the last one? Weapons grade Y fronts, I think it's called. So it's got those five films in it and it's got this film in it as well. Which I believe is probably where I saw the film for the very first time. It was probably in that box set. Don't actually think I saw this when it came out originally on on video and VHS. Anyway, the version I am watching is on Netflix, which is interesting because, like I say, I hadn't even thought about this film in a very long time until it came on Netflix a couple of weeks ago now, I believe it was. So let's see if this um, stands up to reappraisal. So really, I believe there's actually only maybe two parts of the entire film that I remember from that initial watch being this very introductory sequence here with Eddie on the moped motorcycle thing. And then the grand finale. We're not going to get to that yet, though, because I don't really want to spoil it in case you've never seen the film. Yeah, I remember this kind of bike sequence being absolutely batshit mental. Originally when I watched it, kind of... You know, the fact that I had to get stunt people and everything else to kind of volunteer to do it. and Well, not even volunteer to do it. They paid to do it, obviously. But it's crazy, the fact that, you know, they got him standing up on the bike and obviously... Um... <laughs> Yeah, that, that's silly. I mean, that's pretty much what the entire film's going to be. It's going to be silly. And do you know what? I think I'm okay with that. Is that Bill Nye? I didn't know Bill Nye was in this. That's just what? So not only has it got Simon Pegg's very first starring role in it, obviously Rick Mail, Adrian Edmondson, apparently Bill Nye as well. That's um, that's a thing. Okay. Ha, ha, ha. 
Okay, that's that's tickled me, Mr. Twat. It's pronounced Thwait. Kind of uh, riffing on one of uh, Rick Mail's early characters of Alan Bastard from uh, Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, I believe the series is. So what I've noticed as well so far is kind of as much of the product stations they made during the marketing zone, they're the same characters and the same characters. Ed Edmondson, he's essentially playing the same characters. Uh, he's obviously playing Eddie from the bottom TV series. Rick Mayle, he seems to be playing a much more upmarket version of Richard Richard. <laughs> From bottom, yes, that is his. That is his. His name in the TV series. His name was Richard Rick, Richard. This gag right here with the drunk chef as well. That's clearly um, Faulty Towers. Because I believe there was an episode of Faulty Towers where the chef got pissed. I seem to recall. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a more violent ver and sweary version of the faulty tower sketch where the chef is drunk. And that's do you know what? That's that's fine. I can live with that for some reason. Oh, I haven't seen this in a couple of years. I think I'm probably going to be laughing. I've got a thing and the laughs are going to peter out about halfway through, though. But, um, yeah. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> and right here we have your typical bottom fight scene. Just with a teeny little bit more budget behind it. And I've got to say, it looks... It looks pretty good, actually, considering it's a effectively slapstick comedy scene. <laughs> That's a nice touch. He smacked him in the face with the um, the jug and it's left an imprint of Eddie's face. I like that. I think the, the, the bit of budget behind this... <laughs> okay, smacking his head in the fridge. That's funny right there. With the light going on and off, that is a really nice touch. Anyway, as I was saying, I think the budget has really helped, obviously, get across what they couldn't do in not only the live shows, which are fantastic in themselves, don't get me wrong, but also the TV series. The TV series always felt kind of stunted in that. Because, obviously, it didn't really, they couldn't really put in a lot of... I mean, they had budget, obviously, but they didn't have a lot of budget. Oh, what the... <laughs> Sorry, he's hooked. Rick has hooked Ed's nose and he's currently throwing him about all over the place. It's it's quite amusing, I must admit. No, not the nutcrackers. Right on the bulge. <laughs> it's rude. Do you know what? This is the kind of film where if you're not into slapstick or, you know, comic violence, that sort of thing, you're not really going to get a lot out of it, I think. It's not smart. It's not clever. It's just... just... Yeah. I hasten to say 
balls to the wall because obviously they're kicking each other in the godads at the moment. But, you know. For the cheapest hotel in Britain, do you know what? The, um, the set design? Absolutely spot on. How grungy and dark and dilapidated this hotel is. It's really... It's really something. I'm just trying to think whether this would be pre-spaced for Simon Pegg to appear. I think Spaced was a lot later than 1999. I think Spaced was, it was definitely early 2000s for sure. Hang on. To, to the Google. I need to know because I want to know whether this led to... No, it was around the same time. Would you look at that? Original release of Spaced Series 1 was the 24th of September 1999. So actually, the same year as this film. That's that's pretty crazy. Huh. Learn something new every day. That's crazy. Alright, that, that right there, that's quite a funny visual gag. So Eddie's took the kids of... Um, Simon Pegg and wife down to uh, the quote-unquote playground. And it's just a lonely swing over the top of a cliff. <laughs> That's quite funny. That's, yeah. This this film, like I said before, it it's not, it's not clever. It's, you know, it's really in your face. Just waiting for the kid to disappear. Now, there we go. Got off the edge of the cliff. <laughs> waiting for it. We knew it was going to happen, and there it is. Okay, so another thing I've noticed as well is for Aid Edmondson's very first kind of directorial debut. Definitely feature film-wise anyway. It's quite fairly competently made and directed. I mean, Rick Mayle, he's bringing the manic energy that he always does while Aide Edmondson is obviously just being himself. You know, all the camera angles and like I said, the set design is really good as well. And obviously, you know... It's all played for laughs, obviously, and things like that, but it's it's pretty well confidently made. I'm actually quite surprised, because normally films based on TV shows, although this one declares that it isn't incessantly, normally they're, they're not great. You know, I'm thinking of stuff like... Oh, really old BBC 70s, 80s sitcoms. There's stuff like Dad's Army and uh, Jesus Porridge and, and stuff like that. You know, even bloody uh, On the Bus has had a film for Christ's sake. But yeah, this looks pretty competently made so far. It's quite refreshing. Boggles to mind to think that the original draft was like 
three hours long. And obviously they had to cut it down to an hour and a half. It just kind of boggles the mind what on earth they could do. Because it already kind of feels padded out at 50 minutes. Not really anything of sorts has happened. So to think there was three hours of this at one point, it, it's just... So I can pretty much sum the plot up to about two, maybe three lines. Richie and Eddie run a shit hotel. And a famous uh, Italian actress has run away at the altar from her husband-to-be and has come to stay at the shitty hotel. And bearing in mind we're maybe about, there we go, we're half an hour, we're, we're halfway through, uh, 50 minutes, I've already summed up the plot in like two lines of what's happened so far, so. I think this is probably the only exterior shot of the whole hotel that you get for the entirety of the film, except for maybe a few of the, um, Pullback shots, but that shot right there, that was quite a nice little shot. It was clearly a miniature hotel sort of thing, but it was that was quite nice. As I've said before, it's, this film is actually really competently directed, which is really, really um, surprising. It's really quite warming as well. Also, while we're on it. And we're laughing at stupid stuff and talking about how competently made it is. Even the, you know, kind of the visual effects, the special effects, they're actually not bad. When he's just got poked in the eye there with the candle, that's quite cool. See, when he's had the other candle in the eye as well, that was also quite nicely done as well. It's, it's the small things that you can really appreciate in this. And take this moment right here. I was just saying about the visual and practical effects. This bit right here, where they're fishing through the roof to try and get the videotape back from Simon Pegg. And they're effectively lifting him off the bed with a fishing rod through his nipple ring. That's quite cleverly done. If you didn't obviously know how they've done that, you'd... Uh, yeah, that's really clever. It looks really realistic as well. That's really cool. Really nicely done. It's the, it's the small things, like I said before, you kind of take for granted and you don't really realise. And it turns to me to say hello to the one and only podcast cat. How how are we doing on this fine evening podcast, Cat? How are you finding the film tonight? Do you have anything to kind of say for yourself while you're watching this? Well, right. I really hope that's picked up because he's purring really, really loudly tonight. It it appears that he likes 
Bot. He's obviously a uh, cat of somewhat strange and deranged taste. He's obviously forgiven me for um, cat in a hat the other week. It's really weird because we've got about half an hour, 20, 30 minutes or something like that. The film's taking a real sort of dive in basically funniness. Pretty much where the plot kicks in is basically where the film stopped being funny. I mean, you could argue as to whether it was funny in the first place. I can totally see the validity of all the reviews and that, you know, like, as I keep saying, it's not clever, it's not big, you know? This is definitely a film that would not get made today. Uh, or it's definitely a product of the late 90s, early 2000s, based purely off the fact of, you know, all of the violence and the smut and, and things like that. It just, it just wouldn't happen. Ah. Now, this is the other part of the film that I remember the most. Along with the motorcycle scene at the start of the film. It is all of this ending moment here with the projectile vomiting. I could really you know, do without that. Because it's just gross. I know that's what this film is, but I mean, it's just reams and reams of the stuff. Memory serves, it gets worse from here. I know I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because of how horrible it is. It's just... It's kind of the only way to get through the just how horrible and absurd it is is just all the oh god damn it is it any wonder this film didn't make any money at the cinema just based purely off this ending scene alone with all the projectile vomiting that would be enough to put anybody off for life to be honest And this right here is the other overwhelming moment I remember of this film. Is the puke boulder. It's fucking disgusting. There was no need for it. Ugh. And, and the guy's droopy face, of course. I remember that. But fuck the puke boulder. That's just gross. There's no need for that. So that's that that's guest house paradiso I guess. Um there's not really a lot I can say about that really. I mean it had its it had its moments. Um let's cut across back now to the quote unquote studio for the final summation. Guest House Paradiso is an odd one. It's a film of two halves, really. One that is very funny and one that just isn't. While, yes, it's not big or clever, it's certainly got a lot of comedic merit to that. Yes, I did just say that. I will admit I did laugh heartily at the more outlandish and cartoon-style violence on the show. 
What is forgotten, though, are some absolute zingers from both of Males and Edmondson's characters. They are often overlooked in favour of more outlandish sight gags. It's all seeded together that if one gag doesn't land, then a punch to the knackers would definitely get you on the floor laughing. Speaking of gags, oh, bad days. Can we talk about the puked finale? It's just a little bit too out there and zany. For a film that somehow remains grounded, even in its cruel, sadistic violence, the puke boulder it just seems out of place, as do the characters' projectile vomiting. I mean, it fits the narrative, but for me, it completely loses me in revulsion. Aid Edmondson's direction, for a first-time director at the time, is pretty good, actually. Everyone seems to be comfortable in their roles, despite how garish the film is. The set design is effective, the music works in tandem with the editing and cinematography. It's just visually appealing. Special mention goes to the effects team. Again, it's overlooked in this, but some of the effects, like Simon Pegg dangling from the ceiling via a nipple ring, is completely believable. The burn to Richie's eye looks pretty grisly, and... Uh, I suppose the lumpy radioactive puke looks pretty good in places. The only detractor for me, aside from the obvious puking mess of the finale, is how quickly the second half of the film effectively loses its steam. It's almost as if that once the plot starts, the gags become less of. While there may be some logic to this, in that the humour may get in the way of the story, there's not a real story to speak of. What there is of it is pretty paper thin and it could easily be excised. Ultimately, whether you like this film will be down to one of three things. Did you watch the Bottom TV series and want more of it? Did you watch Faulty Towers and wish that Basil Faulty physically abused his staff more while being more predatory towards the female characters? How much beer have you drunk and do you want to have a takeaway pizza? It's not a film that demands to be viewed, but it may be one for completionists of the Bottom franchise. Do you agree? Disagree? Do you think I deserve a knick in the knackers? How about a kapunch in the knob? You can get in contact with us on Twitter as at anyone podcast. We're also on Facebook. Just search for us. You will find us. Longer considerations and verbal abuse can be sent via email to anyoneforseconds at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, rate and review on your platform of choice as it helps us grow this lovely little podcast community that we are very slowly accumulating. This time, I think I'm probably going to leave you with the ending song, provided I can find it, from one of the bottom live stage shows. Thanks again. Stay safe. You got this. Come on, take your pants off. Hold it up, hold